Plantation SDA Church presents The Bible Unmasked. Read your Bible daily and join us every Sunday at 7.30pm for our weekly discussion. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation, let's read the entire Bible in 2021 with The Bible Unmasked. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bible Unmasked. It is episode 42. Can you believe it? 42. We are almost done um, with the entire year. And so for those of you who is joining us for the very first time tonight, the Bible Unmasked is... Plantation, Seventh-day Adventist Church's way of going through the Bible for the entire year. So as we said, this is episode 42, which means this is week 42. It is aired every Sunday night at 730 on YouTube and TV. And like I said, our goal is to read the entire Bible in 2021. Our reading plan is shared weekly during our Sabbaths service and on social media. And so we invite you to bring along your family members, your friends, and your co-workers and text your questions to 954-388-8780. Again, that number is 954-388-8780. And we as your pastors, and especially Principal Stevenson, will do our best to address your questions weekly. We also invite you to subscribe to Plantation SDA Church's YouTube channel to be automatically notified of future episodes or any other live stream. I am your presenter for today, Pastor Jen, and um, I am happy to host Principal Stevenson. I'll be asking the questions that you have sent in to us. And so we are happy to be here with you. Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, to delve deeper into your truths, to learn more about you, Father. We ask that you be with the questions that are asked today, that you also be with the answers that are asked today, Father, and may may they not only satisfy our viewers, but may they long for an even deeper connection with you, Father, leading them to ask more questions about who you are. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity today. In your name we pray, amen. amen. Principal Rob, how have you been? I am glad to be on with day. I've been doing well. Staying busy, being busy is good because then you don't have time to sin. So by grace or by works, I'm in pretty good shape this week. So, Excellent, excellent. Well, last week's reading was Matthew 5 to 22. Could you just quickly remind us what that was about? Okay, so Matthew 5... Uh, you find Christ um, going through the uh, Beatitudes, the famous Sermon on the Mount. He started talking about what it means to truly be saved um, and, and living by the law. He, I, he clarified 
issues of murder and adultery, divorce, um, making promises, uh, getting revenge on people, and mm. uh, that chapter five ends with loving your enemies. There's a lot here, guys. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on on, on this because it's gonna it could take up the time we have here. Talks about giving to the needy. He does the Lord's Prayer, teaching his disciples how to pray. Talks about fasting, storing up treasures in heaven, about not worrying because God is taking care of you. He nailed down judging others. And I tell you what, that, that's one of my favorites because the less we judge, the less others, the less God judges us. So only judge others if you are dumb. Okay, so that, that's in there. Ask, seek, and knock because God wants to give to us. Um, talks about the fact that um, it is a narrow door that we go through to be saved uh, rather than the wide gate which heads us in the wrong direction. Well, warned us about true and false prophets, uh, true and false disciples. Um, spoke about the wise and the foolish builders as far as the wise man building his house upon the rock and the foolish man builder building his house upon the sand. We get into eight and Jesus heals a man with leprosy. There's the, one of my favorite stories, which is the faith of the centurion that went and asked for his servant to be healed, told Jesus, you don't have to show up to my house. Just say it needs to be done and it will be done. Um, and uh, it was the, the, the cost of being a, a disciple of Jesus. Uh, Jesus calming the storm, another one of my favorite stories and one of my favorite ones to okay. preach about. Uh, Jesus casting out uh, the demons from the two demon-possessed men at the other side of the, of, of the lake after the storm. Jesus forgives and heals the paralyzed man, another one of my favorite stories. Uh, the uh, calling of Matthew, the disciple Matthew, and that was a great one because Matthew was a sinner and a tax collector, and he called him to mm -hmm. follow him, and he followed him without any question. Uh, Jesus questioned about why him and his disciples don't fast. Um, Jesus raises a dead girl in, in chapter 8, uh, chapter 9, which is awesome. He heals a blind, mute, uh, demon-possessed man. He says, workers are few. In chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 12. He gives his 12 disciples powers and sends them out. And they cast out demons and they heal the sick and do all kinds of groovy things. Um, Jesus talks about uh, John the Baptist in 11. Um, he talks about unrepentant towns who don't uh, accept him and how bad things will happen to them later on in life. Um, and uh, let's see, in, in chapter 12, we talk about Jesus being the Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, Jesus is God's chosen service, uh, servant. Um, the difference when the, the, the Pharisees accuse Jesus of, of being the, uh, the son of the devil, he says no. And he supports the fact that he's not. Talks about his death for the first time uh, publicly in the signs of Jonah. Um, Jesus' mothers and brothers show up at the end of chapter 10 because mm. they think he's gone mm. crazy. They want to haul crazy. him away in a white yep. suit. Okay, that's right. One of my favorite ones. And don't expect your family to always understand your ministry. Parable of the mm -hmm. Sower. Okay, that's a great one and another wonderful sermon. And I use it a lot as a principle about my teachers who are trying to teach all different kinds of people and how that works. Parable of the weeds and weeds growing up with the tears. Parable of the mustard seeds. Parable 
of the weeds explained because his disciples weren't bright enough to figure it out by themselves. Parable of the treasure of the pearl, parable of the net, parable of the, the, the prophet without honor and uh, not being respected in his own house, um, the sad story of John the Baptist's beheading in 14. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Okay, and that was only the men. The men only counted back then. Sorry, Jen. 5,000 men, probably closer to 15,000 people. Um, Jesus walks on the water, another one of my favorite ones, because it shows Christ's sense of humor. He knew he was going to feed right. his disciples. And he did it anyway. I love Jesus for that. One of my favorite stories. Um, talks about what defiles you, what you put in your body or what comes out of your body. Like that one, too. Um, Faith of the Canaanite woman, and that's a great one because he challenged this woman and she stood right up to him, insisted that Christ was going to heal her demon-possessed child, mm -hmm. and he did. Then Jesus feeds 4,000 men, again, that didn't count women and children. Uh, the people then after that demand for a sign, which you did not give. Um, yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, in this case, yeast was not a good thing. Um, Peter declared Jesus to be the Messiah. Um, Jesus predicts his death. Then we see in 17, hit the transfiguration on the mountain uh, where Jesus uh, was comforted by Elijah and Moses. Um, mm -hmm. Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. Jesus predicts his death the second time. Uh, this is the, also where, where the paying the temple tax. And, and Peter saying, of course, Jesus pays the temple tax. And he went to Jesus, Jesus, did we pay the temple tax? No, you better go fishing and see what happens right. in the mouth of the first. Great story. Um, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, because Christ's disciples were consciously, constantly jockeying for position, uh, not realizing what was going on there, not really, really realizing who they were stumbled, uh, following. Uh, talks about bad things that happen to Christians who, uh, who cause other people to stumble. Um, the parable of the lost sheep dealing with sin in the church, parable of the unmerciful servant. Um, then in 19, he talks about divorce, which even discouraged his disciples from wanting to get married by that point. Uh, little children, mm -hmm. uh, Jesus to be uh, to be uh, blessed, and his disciples blessed. pushing them away, Jesus trying to bless them. Um, the rich in the kingdom of God, okay? And back then, they only thought rich people would be saved. And so when Jesus said rich people weren't going to be saved, the disciples were scared and said, who on earth is going to get saved? The rich people aren't going to be in heaven. Um, the parables of the worker in the vineyard, vineyard, that no matter how long you work in the vineyard, you're going to get paid the same amount. Jesus predicts his death the third time. Um, James and John's mother comes for position for her sons. Uh, in, 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 in chapter 20, um, a blind man receives his sight um, as Jesus is heading to Jerusalem and he goes to Jericho, another one of my favorite stories. Um, Jesus comes into Jerusalem. We're almost there. 21. Uh, Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. Jesus is in the temple. Um, Jesus curses the fig tree, which freaks out his disciples. He curses the fig tree because it doesn't mm -hmm. have fig. They come back and the poor fig tree is shriveled up. Um, the authority of Jesus being questioned, the uh, parable of the two sons, the parable of the tenants in the in the um, in who uh, are renting the vineyard from the rich man and end up 
killing his son and abusing his servants. And of course, Jesus talking directly to the Pharisees at that time because he knew they were planning to kill him. Um, the parable of the wedding banquet, um, uh, praying, uh, the um, paying the imperial tax to Caesar. That's the famous term, pay unto Caesar that which is, which is Caesar's, and pay unto God that, that which is God. Um, uh, the question of marriage and resurrection. So Jesus mm. making a that there's not going to be any married people in heaven, that we're going to be like the angels. And so it doesn't matter when you're resurrected if you had multiple spouses and they all died and you know, all that, that complicated stuff. Um, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, yeah. and all your soul. And then whose son is the Messiah? Okay, and of mm. course, you know, Jesus is the son of God. And then we um, start 23 with warnings against hypocrisy. And that's where we left off last week. That's Can I take a break? Woo! That was that was long. That's a lot that was covered last week. Principal Rob, give us one sentence of what we're covering today. One sentence. One I know sentence. that's a little hard. Okay, I'll give no, you two. We're, we're, give us two sentences of what we're covering today. We're covering Matthew well, we're, twenty-three to Mark nine. So just well, one or two sentences. We're, we're sort of spanning two things, and it's actually going to be a, a little awkward as we cover the synoptic Gospels. It may, may have been healthy if we covered each Gospel one at a time, um, because right. we're covering the death of Jesus, and then we're starting his ministry all the way over again uh, exactly. to about halfway through it. So it's going. some of it is going to seem like repetition, because mm -hmm. Matthew, um, and Luke are called the Synoptic Gospels. We're going to get into that with some of the questions that some of you guys asked. Um, and so uh, we're going to get into the uh, the um, the crucifixion for the first time. We're going to cover it at least three other times before we before we finish here. And um, we've got the Synoptic Gospels, which means we're going to get back into we're going to go back into Mark's perspective. I, I like Mark's mm -hmm. perspective, and it's. Um, a, a, a little bit um, appropriate because Mark was really enjoyed um, exorcisms. You will see that in Mark. Mark hits every single time Jesus casts out demons. I mean, Mark, that, that was his favorite thing to talk about. And so we're going to see that. And, quite and a John bit. hated talking about that. Huh? John hated talking about exorcisms. No. He, barely, he doesn't mention it. That doesn't mention it at all. But Mark, he grooved out on exorcisms, man. He loved it when Jesus cast out demons. He loved it when the disciples couldn't. He is really like this. So come Halloween time, it's time to read Mark because Jesus is the one that will cast out all demons. And you hit that in yes. Mark. Jesus has power over the demons. And, and you see Jesus' relationship with the demons in Mark because every time Jesus demons come into uh, into contact with Jesus, they immediately recognize him as the Son of God and beg him not to throw them into the abyss early, which shows that ultimately the demons know what's going to happen to them. Okay, and so that that's one of the cool things in Mark. So, so if you want a little bit about about what we're covering. That's what we're covering uh, this week. It's great stuff. Enjoy the book of Mark. For me, the book of Mark is one of the earthier books. It's not quite as long. It doesn't have yes. all the, uh, the the liturgies and all that kind of stuff, and it doesn't get caught up with, with, with some of those issues. Um, but the basic storylines are very similar, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, 
And, uh, and so that's what we're covering tonight. That's right. Mark took out all the bells and whistles and, and told the story and tells the story simply. All right. So we have questions, questions. And the first one comes, um, we're looking at Matthew 23, 15. And the scripture in Matthew 23, 15 says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Ooh, those are strong words. The question is, why did Jesus call the religious leaders hypocrites? That, that's because as, as they travel around and, and they try to convert people to Judaism, they place such a heavy burden on those people that basically they, they made salvation impossible to achieve. And, mm, and mm -hmm. so as, as they went and burdened the people, basically um, it was a works-based theology that, that, that was not focused on what uh, God could do for them, but what they had to do for God to make him happy, right. which is essentially yes. idolatry, okay? They, 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 they entered into an idolatrous relationship with God, okay? Mm -hmm. To where they have to appease this God, make him happy by doing all of these extraneous things that had nothing to do with their salvation. So in the end, rather than having a positive love faith-based relationship with God, their relationship was an idolatrous relationship with God, which then fits in exactly to what Jesus is, is talking about here, where he says, look, you know, they, they are twice as lost now as they were before, because rather than, than loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and your neighbor as yourself, which they identified from Deuteronomy, if you remember reading that in Deuteronomy, okay, that that, that is the most important part of the Bible, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees re removed the love of God and made it the love of the law. Once you love anything over God or, or think that there's anything more important in your relationship with God than salvation, you are caught in a slave-master slave uh, relationship, mm. which is essentially um, uh, uh, idolatry to the law. You can I I idolize the law rather than the relationship, and so then they become lost. I read in one of the commentaries, and, and I quote, one of the commentaries said, um, it, it was bad, so the scribes and the Pharisees, it wasn't a new thing for them um, to show godliness, but, but the fact that they made it a cloak, um, and they, they used it to turn souls to be a part of their party, not for the glory of God and for the good of souls, but that they, the scribes and the Pharisees, right. may have the credit um, and right. advantage of yeah. making converts. So their gain for as many converts as they could have, it became their godliness. By a thousand devices, they made religion give way to their worldly interests. They were strict and precise in small matters of the law, but careless and loose in weightier matters. So then my question then, and now I'm thinking, how much does legalism today 
have to fit into this because you know we we have our things about the sabbath right and and whoa man if you if you're not in your house with your family by 6 30 as the sun goes down and your things are still not done then you know mm -mm, that's 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 a sin but but then what about those people who just genuinely love God and where they're, they're working in a hospital, they're serving people. Where does this come into, where does this come into play? Well, again, and I mentioned it again, love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart, all your mind and all your soul. If you're doing what you do because you love God, there is salvation in it. If you're doing what right. you're doing in order to gain God's approval, you've missed the point. Okay? So exactly. if you are hurrying home so that you can be there at six because you're looking forward to the time you're going to spend with God, with your family, and you don't want to miss it, okay? That's like when right. you're in a dating relationship, you know, back back a thousand years ago when I was still doing that, okay? And I had a date lined up with somebody, and, and, and I knew I was going to meet that that lovely person at a specific time at a specific place i would rush to get there man i would do whatever i was on time baby i wasn't gonna miss it okay because right. i loved that person and i wanted to be with that person i wanted to impress that person i didn't want that person to think i was a scallywag of any kind okay so <laughs> so when you you have that relationship with god where you're where you're rushing because you want to spend that time with him because you're looking forward to it that's great but if you are rushing to do it because you don't want to go to hell That's and you right. think somehow yes. by going through those steps you are somehow going to be found more righteous and more saved two people might be doing the same thing but for the wrong reasons and one finds themselves in a wonderful relationship with god and the other one finds themselves spinning their wheels and being just as lost so so oh. sometimes the behavior of a righteous person and a lost person can be identical. Mm. But, but one can be lost and the other can be saved. It's all about the relationship, baby. It's all Amen. about the relationship. Amen. All right. Our second question is in regards to Matthew 23, 9. The verse reads, and do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. The question is, should we abstain from calling religious father? I, you know, I, I've, I've done a little research on this and the, the, the short answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because what we're doing is we're giving a, a, a regular human being who is not our father. We have two fathers, our biological father on, on earth. Cool to call that person father. And then our father in heaven. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, but when we start deferring that kind of, of, of power to another human being, um, that's mm -hmm. not why. Okay. Not biblical. Okay. Um, now, now you may decide. Over the years, I have had students who have chosen to adopt me because they don't have a, an active father figure in their lives. I've literally had kids look right. me in the eyes and say, "Mr. Stevenson, will you be my dad?" 
Okay, I've had that. It's uh. made me cry. Okay, it's literally made me cry because I know they, they don't have a father. They're searching for a mentor. And I tell them that I will be your father figure and I will love you like a father as long as we're together. But, but, I, I, but, but don't call me dad. Just call me Mr. Stevenson. Um, be, because mm-hmm. I, I don't think we, sh- we, we should be accepting, even though that, that's a great honor when somebody chooses for me to do that, chooses to do that, but that was their choice, not my request, right? Um, but if right, you've right. got a religious figure who is then taking that position, that becomes something mm-hmm. where they are asking to take that position, which is only given to God, or your biological father, and they're asking to step in in place of specifically God. And that's a scary thing. Um, If you are stepping in in the place of God in somebody's life and claiming that position, um, that's not going to end well for you, okay? That's not going to end well for that Mm -hmm. person. And and they are misguiding people to put um, godly powers into an interpretation of godliness into the lives of a regular human being. Uh, my son mm. knows very much that I'm a regular human being, even though I'm his father. He comes to me for guidance, but I always preface it with, son, your dad's just a regular human being. I don't mind if you check with other people, but from my opinion, this is the direction you should go, okay? So we should avoid any organization that chooses to deify through the 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 word through calling people father um, and, and putting that kind of authority into a human sinful human being's hands. That's to be avoided and and some a trap that we shouldn't allow ourselves to fall into. Excellent, excellent. I was. Um, in researching this question, as I was also saying, so this goes back to even what we were discussing previously in in the previous question, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees, one act of pride was to be called teacher, father, and master. And in other places of scripture, Jesus emphasizes here that the one who seeks to be a teacher, father, or master must serve the rest and not seek their own glory or power right and so then then he gives this to the he gives this to this the disciples jesus identifies fatherhood with his father in heaven and authority with the authority he received from his father so when he commissioned his apostles and he sent them out in not only his name but in the father's name right and so um he's saying you know really the only of course there's our biological fathers are those are are our fathers and you know we know that verse um honor thy father and thy mother however our true 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 father is god in heaven and so this is why he says your fatherhood is there all right. Okay. In Matthew 24, 9, the verse reads, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. All right, man. People who have been sending in these questions, they are giving us, um, they're giving us 
harsh, <laughs> harsh verses to look at. You will be handed over to be persecute, persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. The question is, is this verse announcing modern day persecution? And what can we do to prepare for the day of persecution? Okay, now, now here's something interesting. I'm going to do a little bit of background. It's probably going to get me in trouble, but that's okay. We've we, we got to understand that Matthew, Mark, and Luke weren't written directly by Jesus' disciples. Okay, we've got to understand that. It, and they were written many, many years after the death of Jesus Christ. Um, there was, there's also another gospel that has been lost through time that these guys actually are believed to have borrowed from. Um, and the book of Mark is actually the first gospel to have actually been penned. Okay, so we've got to understand that. And Mark was not one of Christ's disciples. Okay, so these guys, uh, the, the only person who was a disciple who, who wrote a, a book, and it's significantly different to the first three, is John. Okay, John was definitely a disciple of Jesus. It's questionable as if the others. Luke was actually a, uh, a, a Gentile and a follower of Paul. Okay, he was a physician who wrote those. So, so each one of them is different. And, and some of these were written during a time of persecution, okay? So, so when, when they are repeating Christ's words, they're talking about contemporary persecution there that happened at that time. But then we also know that, that a thousand years later, during the Middle Ages, Christians were persecuted again. We know that Christians continue to be persecuted, and we also are anticipating, and we're starting to see the dominoes line up, that Christians are ultimately, mm -hmm. whether they're Seventh-day Adventists or not, true believing Christians be who follow the Bible right. are being set up to be persecuted in the United States. And I don't want to get into politics, but if, if you are even remotely aware of what's happening in, in, in government today and in, over the past, especially the past decade, you can, you can see it coming quite clearly in, in many of the beliefs that we hold as Christians, Jews, and Muslims are definitely contrary to, to, to contemporary North American po political correctness. Um, and, and so we have to recognize that this was talking about present and future events because mm -hmm. as Christians, we should not conform to the belief structure of the world. And if you don't conform to the belief structure of the world, ultimately you're going to become crosswise with, with the authorities and be persecuted for it. So the answer is yes. So this verse is announcing modern day persecution. So then yeah. how then, let's answer that second part, how do we in reality now 2021 what can we do to prepare for the day of persecution and this is a crazy question because we're already being persecuted so right. i'm thinking that who asked this question is thinking that um there's going to be a specific time where it's going to be even more chaotic so perhaps the question is coming from that angle what can we do to prepare for that future time where it's even worse than it is now first of all it's creeping up on us now okay if you yes. heard the analogy excuse me of the um of the frog in the boiling water okay it just yep. slowly gets hotter slowly gets hotter until finally the frog 
doesn't jump out because it gets harder it incrementally and then it boils to death. Okay, that's kind of where we are now. The persecution is starting. It's starting slowly. And, and one of the, the, the things that we've got to realize is some of us are choosing to be quiet and not identify who we are and what we are to the people we work with and, and what we believe to the people we work with and in the community. And we're trying to fit in and sort of fly below the radar. You know what I'm talking yep. about, guys. We're doing mm -hmm. it now. Um, okay, ultimately, it's going to be impossible for us to fly below the radar or it'll be impossible for us to fly below the radar and stay true to Jesus Christ. Okay, first of all, I don't believe we can even fly below the radar now and be true to Jesus Christ, but it's going to become even more pronounced. Nope. The, the most important way to get ready is not to hoard food in your, in, in, in your, in your, walk, in your closets at home or in the attic of your house. Or to buy people. I, listen, I, I know I know good people who are buying homes in the country. Um, you know, a shack in the country made made in. in, in uh, I'm not making this up. Made made in a in, you know out of out of um, shipping containers, and they're digging their own wells, and they're doing stuff like that. So, at the time of trouble, they can go out and do that. You can do that if you want. But the most important thing is spiritual preparation. Know what's in your Bible yes. and live it, because. Because Jesus is coming, and, and although doing the right thing, as we covered before, isn't going to save us, our love for Jesus Christ is going to save us. But if we love him, we will keep his commandments, right? So, yes, we will. you're going to love Jesus enough to keep his commandments, come, in the old English saying, come hell or high water, then we've got to be studied up. We've got to spend time with our Bible. We've got to know what's in there. We've got to be ready to stand for the world. And we've got to know what we believe and then live what we believe. And that's how we're going to get ready. You can store up all kinds of food. Listen, I, I know non-Christians who are storing up food because they know they know bad times are coming. Uh, you, you, on Facebook, there are these guys that are showing these boxes of food that will last for like 10 years and you can serve at each meal is 1 million calories. So you only have to nibble on it all day long and you're going to be able to survive the apocalypse. You can try that if you want. But the most important thing, my advice to you, is know what's in your Bible, know what you believe, be firm in what you believe, and live what you believe, because the persecution is going to come. But here's the thing, here's the thing, if you're walking hand in hand with Jesus, and we're going to cover this, especially when you get into the book of Acts, where, where Christ's Christ's disciples, when you're talking about Peter and John, or when you're talking later about Paul in the book of Acts, you guys are going to get there sooner, and I wish I was doing the commentary of Acts. Love the book of Acts, because they took every single time that they were persecuted, beat up, and imprisoned, and they considered it a privilege, a privilege to be imprisoned in the name of Jesus Christ because they were witness to what Jesus Christ did in order to save Amen. them. So friends, walk hand in hand with Jesus every day. Every day. Mm -hmm. And be fearless in the way that, that you stand for Him. And if you are persecuted for your stand for Jesus Christ, count yourself lucky to be worthy of standing for Jesus Christ during difficult times. Amen. You, you said something um, in your answer, and I'm just curious, just for if there are new believers who this is the first time that they are 
on Bible under the radar. Can you explain what you mean by flying under the radar? Okay. <clears throat> so um, you need to uh, get off work on Friday for Sabbath so you call in sick. So um, when you, you see uh, people talking about religion or mocking people who are Christians and believe, uh, believe a certain way, you just laugh along with them. Okay, you live your life in such a way that, pe that you are spiritually androgynous, okay? And I don't know if you've ever met people who you can't figure out what gender they are, okay? Mm -hmm. and, 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 and so they are physically androgynous, okay? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those folks. I'm not saying that. But many of us walk around trying to be spiritually androgynous, okay? Where we, mm -hmm. are, we don't allow ourselves to be identified as a Christian, where we work and what we do, we maintain a, a strict um, division between our church life and our work life, and there is no, and, and there is no uh, bleed over between the two. And um, many of us, because of the circumstances we're in, we don't want to be judged. And, and listen, th right. there are other ways that we do it too, okay? So we're out with our, our, our workers after work at the end of the day, and they invite us to go along and say, hey, come with us for a couple of drinks. And so you get a drink too. Okay, because you want to fit in with, with, with the other folk. And if you don't get a drink, they're going to say, why aren't you drinking? And then, nah. then you're going to be stuck having to explain, well, I don't drink because I have a, a walk with Jesus Christ that, that, that I want to maintain. And I want to maintain a clear mind so that my body can always be a positive receptor of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to explain. So you'll get a beer. You may not even drink the whole beer. It may take you four hours to consume that beer. But, but you're, you're hiding what you believe and what you stand for and just keeping it below the radar so that nobody asks and you don't have to tell. Excellent. Thank you for that. I love that explanation. All right. Matthew 24, 36 reads, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. So the question is, if no one knows the day or the hour, why are we so focused on end time prophecy? And why are we constantly trying to predict the second coming of Jesus? First of all, we don't have to predict the second coming of Jesus. We know he's coming. Okay. Exactly. So the prediction is just merely the, the, the reality that we know that Jesus is coming. Listen, guys, we're living in the last days. Um, and we're living so much in the last days that even non-Christians realize this world's going to come to an end, okay? Mm -hmm. Secular scientists who have disavowed any relationship with God recognize that this world is going to end, okay? So, so there was a time. Listen, when I grew up, you know, as a kid in the 1970s and early 80s, listen, my Bible teacher told me at Great Lakes Academy, that Jesus was definitely going to come in 2000, uh, let's see, 1984. He predicted the date, and he had it all lined up, and he told us all in Bible class, and all my little friends were jumping in and getting baptized who weren't baptized yet, and 1984 came and went, okay? Because Elder Watke didn't know when Jesus was coming. He was claiming to know stuff that the Bible says only God the Father know, but Elder Watke was sure that he knew, okay? Okay. Um, 
So no, we know mm -hmm. Jesus is coming. What we're talking about is the date and the time. So we can predict Jesus is coming. We can. That's pretty clear in Daniel Revelation. Okay, and when when you when we were cover, covering um, the book of Daniel, and you've got Nebuchadnezzar's dream and the statue made of of the head of gold, and then the the the, the body and torso of silver, and the waist of bronze, and the legs of of iron and then finally the feet of of iron and clay which definitely describes the world we're living in now um we know that the end is coming we just don't know the exact date only god knows that exact date and um we shouldn't be focused on trying to predict the exact date a lot of time is being wasted on that but we do need to make sure that we are ready for that date mm -hmm. and let me tell you something friends that date is a little different for some of us. And you can say, oh, that's heresy, mm -hmm. what are you talking about? Because listen, I ride a motorcycle in, in, in Broward County, and any day I could be run over by some idiot in the pickup truck, checking his cell phone and not paying attention at a light. I could just be run over and squashed, okay? Guess what? Although I won't go straight to heaven, essentially Christ has come for me because I'm gonna be sleeping until he comes to call me home right okay so we got to be That's ready right. every single day because every single day isn't guaranteed and we don't know what's going to happen if some of us knew what was going to happen in the day we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning okay so so we got to make sure that we are ready every single day for what's coming or what might be happening and the single most important thing we can be ready for is the second coming of jesus christ and and we sh we shouldn't be waiting until the last minute to be ready, guys. And, and this is something that, that I remember I had buddies in high school saying that I'm thin as long as I possibly can. And then when I see things getting bad, then I'm going to jump on the Jesus bandwagon. Listen, guys, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And people who don't love Jesus aren't going to be there. And if we are claiming a relationship with Jesus Christ just to avoid hell, rather than a relationship with Jesus Christ because we love him, we are going to be lost. Mm -hmm. And so spend some time in your Bible. Get to know him. It's impossible not to love him. Want to sit in your head what he has done for you and what he provides for you and, 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 and what he hopes will happen to you if you give your heart to him so so no we shouldn't be spending a lot of time trying to predict the day and the hour that's foolishness that caught the adventist church uh, the, the it wasn't even the adventist church right then the 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 1844 movement by mm -hmm. surprise right then they realized they were wrong and the adventist church grew out of that 1844 uh, prediction of the, of the second coming of jesus christ and we realized we're talking about the cleansing of the temple remember when we covered that ra rather than the second coming and uh only god knows and one of the reasons i think only god knows and this is just heresy uh, straight from me so i'm going to give you some straight up heresy is because god <laughs> Because God is God, can look at what's going on in this world and predict how it's going to end because he can see how the dominoes are going to fall. And mm -hmm. only God mm -hmm. has the power to do that. God has the mental power to do that. If things are set up, things are going to fall, and things are going to fall very rapidly at the end, don't wait till the end. Start with your relationship exactly. tonight, right now. When, when, when we finish this discussion, pick up your Bible. And continue reading with us because you're getting into the New Testament. I love the New Testament. Um, I read through the New Testament at least twice a year. I read through my entire Bible at least once a year. 
and I always look forward to the New Testament and I'm always sad when I'm done. Okay. It's an incredible, incredible thing because this is the one where all the fulfillment of everything that we read about in the starting with Isaiah all the way through is fulfilled. And if this stuff was fulfilled, and that's why we've got to stay up with our prophecy. If this stuff is fulfilled, that means the other stuff's going to happen as well. You understand why prophecy is important now? Because those mm -hmm. are our mm -hmm. growing signs as we travel down the highway of life. Okay? So, so I know back, back before GPS, and I, and I, I date back, I'm pre-GPS, okay? I traveled actually reading the road sign. And the United States <laughs> has amazing road signs. And it will tell right. you Orlando in 100 miles, Orlando in 50 miles, Orlando in 20 miles. You are in Orlando. Okay. That's what the prophecy is for. <laughs> the second coming is coming and this is going to happen. And boom, it happens. And the second time is going to come and this is going to happen. And boom, it happens. And we're at the last little bit of happenings left, guys. There's not a lot of miles before we hit the end of time. Okay, guys. We, we are there, and that's why we need to know it, because if God's prophecies were correct back then, that means the end is going to happen just the way he said it was. And that's why we study it. That's why we study it. That's why we need to know, because for those of you who remember the old Rand McNally maps, you can still buy them. Yes. The old Rand McNally maps. I taught my daughter, my son, he... he Never understood a Rand McNally map, but my daughter, she could keep track of where we were, man. And and if you know, if, if, if you're like that, when you read the Bible, it's your Rand McNally map to the second coming. And we're getting close. Amen, amen. That's why we study, that's why we study the prophecies. Well, I think we're so focused, too, because we know, I mean, we're looking at the world around us already. And, and I'm thinking about that verse that says pestilences will come, nation will rise against nation. And um, and we're, we're in it. And so yeah. I think as humans, we want to know exactly when when is this going to happen? And we're trying to line up all our dates. But at the same time, humanity, and we're looking at COVID-19, and we're thinking, oh, definitely, definitely, God's going to come in this lifetime, because we can't endure anymore. Another, how, how much more bad can happen, right? But if Jesus, if God were to say, all right, I am coming on March 25 of 2023, that's when I'm coming. Do you believe that everyone is suddenly going to turn their hearts to Jesus and start reading? No. If you have that end date, people are going, well, I can party all the way up until March 20. And then right. they use those last, last wow. five remains life to God. You know, and so... Even though it says that the son does not know, I think God is just waiting, waiting for all of his children to come into that relationship with him without a date. But because because we want to, because right. we know that the right. end is coming near. You know, all right. God, we are, I'm going to say God is seeking a relationship with us and a relationship isn't based on deadlines. Mm -hmm. okay. Not on deadlines. It's, 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 it's based on, on mutual love and respect. And if we truly love and respect God, 
every single day is going to be reflected in, 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 in our behavior and our choices. And so that's why essentially the date really doesn't matter. It's just that we know no. what's going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. All right. I'm going to rush past some questions for Matthew because we need to be in Mark now. Um, Mark 1, 9 to 12 goes and talks about the whole baptism of Jesus. You know, how he walked into John baptizes him and, you know, he, God confirms him confirms him um, in the form of a dove. So the question now comes, what is the meaning and significance of the baptism of Jesus? If baptism means to die to self and resurrect Jesus, why did Jesus, who is God, need to get baptized? Well, G Jesus is God. But you've got to understand that when Christ came to earth, it was his role, and, and this is something that a lot of people missed, his role to teach us how to be man. Uh, uh, many, mm -hmm. many times when people look at Christ, they get confused and think Christ came to show us God. And, and Christ did make statements like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay, he did make those statements. But, um, but the reality is, is Christ came to be our example of what we could do as human beings mm -hmm. if we walked hand in hand with God every day. And so mm -hmm. when Christ was baptized, he was showing us what we needed to do. One of the first steps mm -hmm. we needed to do to, to show God that we were willing to do his will in our lives. And so Christ was showing us the way. Remember, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. True. Okay, and right. so Christ was showing us the way. And as John the Baptist said, man, I, I, I shouldn't be baptizing you. I, I'm not even fit to tie, your, tie, tie, tie the laces on your sandals. And Jesus said, we need to do this. We need to do this to show people the way. Okay, so that's mm -hmm. why he was baptized. Did he need to be baptized? Of course not. But, but remember that immediately after his baptism, what happened? A dove descended on, yep. on the Holy Spirit, and God called out, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased, okay? And, and, and God wants to do that with you too, okay? And so God's showing that if, if my son was willing to do this, then you need to be willing to do this, because my son was showing the universe. You understand that Jesus wasn't just showing the world. He was showing the universe. Showing everybody, and yes. And he was going to submit to the power of God. While he was on earth, he would do what his father asked him to do. And so please understand that, that, that Christ's willingness to submit to the power of his father on earth is our challenge to be willing to submit to the power of our heavenly father while we're here following Christ's example. Because central to his purpose in being the savior of the world is his own faithful obedience to his dad. He was That's obedient right. to the point of death and therefore secured oh. our salvation. Don't you find it interesting, though, his obedience? This is what he did, right? But he's showing his obedience. He's giving us an example of how to live as a man. But then immediately after his baptism, he gets taken into the wilderness and tested yeah that's just 
that's even more so, you know, how much when you read when you read the testing of Jesus after his baptism, it just for me, it, it, it underlies. Yes, I'm being an example for you. Yes, I am going into walk into the water. And then he even more so underlines his obedience to the father, his loyalty, his allegiance, everything as he faces the journey in the desert. That's that's just amazing to me. No, it's absolutely huge, and it's also again a reminder to us, as far as Christ showing us what what, what to do, a reminder that once we commit our lives to, to to Jesus Christ, we need to expect that the devil is going to come after us even harder. Okay, so if you've committed uh, your life to Jesus Christ, and now you're expecting it to be a happily ever after Disney tale, okay, you have to be committed and walking hand in hand with God even more firmly than you ever did before because the devil is going to come out to tempt you because and, and i don't understand this completely but every human soul every human soul has immeasurable value in the universe and the yes. devil and god are battling for each human soul and so please brace yourself and be ready to walk hand in hand with jesus christ Every day, if today's the day, you're going to commit your life to him. And please do commit your life to him today because he's coming again and he wants to take you home. Amen. Amen. You know, I've gotten this question this year. So many things we're not even we're not even talking, you know, the business of and and, and the opportunity of ministry in the church. I'm just talking about personal things that have happened in my life you know my mom got into an accident and then then she had a mastectomy and and then my sister and my my husband is has a ulcer that he's in a hospital and it, it, it's coming it's like every two months I'm, I'm on every two months something happens and sometimes i'm even i'm i've even told god i am almost afraid to ask you or to wonder or to know what's gonna happen two months from now because the year is not over yet right and people have asked me you know how 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 are you withstanding this you know what is going on you know maybe your family's under persecution and you know i have to say no we are i yeah. am under persecution because of my faith in jesus because right. of what I am, because I'm still standing, because I refuse to say, all right, Satan, this is not going to take me out. I will stand and I, I don't care what's going to happen next, but I know you've got, I, I know that Jesus has got me. I know that God has my life in his hands. And you know, it's crazy, but that, 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 that angers the enemy even more, right? And so we were not promised as Christians, we were not promised um, roses and 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 great trails. We were, you know, but our salvation lies in our continued belief in the Father who loves us. That's exactly it, Jen. In fact, you know, the battle that you're going through, and I want you to know, we pray for you at the school every morning. Is is it, it's obvious that you're doing something right. And many, many times we think I'm being persecuted, so I must be doing something wrong. If you're not being persecuted right now, if you don't feel under attack by the devil, it's probably because the devil's not worried about you. The devil's probably not worried about you, okay? Then the devil only attacks those people who he's worried about 
as far as committing their lives fully to Jesus Christ. So if you're sitting at home saying, boy, I'm so glad I'm not Pastor Jen, you may want to rethink that, okay, guys? Because if you're walking hand in hand with Jesus Christ, the devil wants to wrench you from that hand. And he's going to do anything he can. Okay, so so just like again, just like the apostles, you're going to get to the Synaxon just, just in a couple of weeks here. You know, praise God for for being able to be persecuted for him. Let's walk hand in hand with Jesus Christ this Amen. week, knowing that that makes us a target. But then we've got to wear the full armor of God and we're going to get into that in a few verses, too. So, yes, for sure. Amen. Amen. I don't, I'm not entirely sure we have enough time. Let us take one more question regarding Mark. Verse, I mean, Mark verse, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The question is, what is the difference between getting baptized with water and getting baptized with the holy spirit do we need both and why um, we uh both is good but the holy spirit is the one that we should really be craving water is just a symbol holy spirit entering our lives is transformative okay and so we should be praying yes. daily that the holy, the, the transformation that comes from the Holy Spirit, because here's the thing, guys, and, and for my Haitian friends, you know what I'm talking about, right? Because, because you left the stuff when you left Haiti. You, you've got demon possession, right? For those of us who are from Haiti and Africa, we know that yes. that's real. There are a lot of people in North America there. They're not real smart. They don't understand how that's real, okay? The Holy Spirit, we're talking about being possessed by the power of God. You, you see, there is always type and anti-type out there. And I know this might make a few people uncomfortable, but I know my Haitian friends are right with me, okay? Let's be possessed by the power of God. When we're possessed by the power of God, who's in control of our lives? God, okay? Mm -hmm. When you're possessed by Satan, who's in control of your life? Satan, okay? So, who do you want to have control? You know, we're going to get into Romans a little bit where Paul says you've got to choose your master. You're going to have a master, one or the other, choose one, and then give that master full control of your life. And so, yes, baptism is just a symbol. But what's interesting, again, when you get into the book of Acts, you're going to be looking for the role of the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts, some people got the Spirit before they were baptized. In many cases, mm. they were Gentiles who got the Spirit before they were baptized, sending a, a message to the bigoted disciples who did not like Gentiles, that Gentiles are allowed in the church because if the Spirit's in them, God's in them, and you've got to let them in, okay? And then they were baptized, okay? So you don't have to have one before the other, but I will tell you that every day we need to pray, Lord, please fill me with your Spirit. Empty me of myself and fill me with your spirit so that you can have mm. control of my life. There is nothing more, nothing more incredible, nothing more incredible than feeling the spirit take over. Okay. It's only happened in my life a couple times and I crave it like a, like a, um, like a heroin addict craves their next hit. Okay. To when you feel when, when, when I'm up there preaching and it, 
only happens when I'm up there preaching. That's why I like to preach. When I'm up there preaching and you literally feel your mind, boom, become super clear. And all of a sudden ideas that were not there before are flooding your system. And you know that that's God doing it to you. You want it every single day. Pray that you have that experience. Pray that the Holy Spirit enters your mind that way. Pray that you experience the mental clarity and mental power that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the one you got to chase after. But, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be baptized because that's showing Satan and everybody around you that you are now open to receive the Holy Spirit in your life and you want that too. So, so they're not mutually exclusive. One can happen before the other, but crave the Holy Spirit entering you because the peace Amen. that comes is a result of that. The life change that comes from a result of that. The perspective that you gain that God is all powerful and you are merely a speck. Hmm. A speck in history clarifies your mind. And, and I, I will tell you, sometimes I, I've got to pray for some of my brothers and sisters who allow their leadership positions to, to go to their heads when they, they think they're working for God, go to their heads and think that because they're in a leadership position that somehow they're powerful. The only power, power we have, no. the only power we have when we're in religious leadership comes from God. And we've got to make sure that we remain focused on that and remain incredibly humble because the moment we lose our humility, we lose our connection with God. And so we've got to pray for that Amen. daily. Pray for that daily. Pray for that connection daily. Pray that the Holy Spirit guides us daily because that's the only perspective that's going to get us ready for the second coming that we know is about to happen. Amen. Amen. I've seen what you mean about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's been a couple of times when I've been praying and I was holding people's hands on either side of me and and I'm praying and I suddenly just feel Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And as I'm praying, I don't know, my prayer changes. Nope. And I, I'm thinking, oh, this is just me. This is just me that's feeling it. But twice now, people, um, people have let go of my hand and they've turned to me and they've said, I, I from your hand into my, my something changed in your prayer. And I felt that. And so, I mean, well, praise God. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, I'm, but the God. thing is, when when the Holy Spirit is upon you as an anointing, yeah, people God. see it. I've seen it happen to you when, when you're preaching. And, and, and I've, I've seen it happen. You're, you're right. You know, maybe for you, it happens when you're preaching. But I've seen it happen to you. And it's just an amazing thing to not only witness, but, but to feel for yourself. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, it's beautiful. Is beautiful. Um, Principal Rob, we have come to the end of our questions, or rather, we've yeah, we do have a couple more, but we've come to the end of our time. And so, do you have any closing thoughts of what we have talked about this evening? You know, the most important thing that we, we need to be searching for, and I, I'll tell you, friends. Um, when I read the Bible, and I think I've shared this in the past, I don't just read the Bible with a blank mind. When you read the Bible, you need to be asking a question. 
okay? And there's a couple of questions, and, and you just choose, choose one of these. Don't, don't, don't do all of them. Don't confuse yourself, okay? Ask the question, what is Christ saying to me? Another question that is good when you're reading, when you're reading the Synoptic Gospel is what is, what, is, what is Christ telling me about my relationship with him? And my relationship with God, mm. okay, and especially when you get to the book of John, because John is significantly different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is what is John telling me about a love relationship with Christ, okay? Because John and Jesus had a serious bromance going on, and it's beautiful, and there's nothing wrong with it. John loved Jesus. When you get to the book of John, ask that question. What are we talking about here? What is this love for Jesus Christ? John talks to, about himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. Okay, guys, what does that mean for you? What, what would that mean for you to be the human being that Jesus loves? Ask yourself a question while you're reading it. Search for something specific that you're looking for because You've got to realize, and then and we'll get there, where it says, ask, knock, and seek, right? You've got to be asking a question. You've got to be knocking on the door, which is reading the Bible, and you've got to be seeking for something specific. Don't be passive when you read. Be looking for answers while you read. God will answer your questions while you're reading the Bible. All right. Thank you, Principal Stevenson, for leading us through discussion. I invite you, our viewers, to read for next week, Mark 10 to Luke 6, and a text any questions to 954-388-8780. Again, that number is 954-388-8780. And we encourage you to read daily, not just all at once. It's a little harder to chew when you try to read those um, chapters and verses all, all at one. And, and so invite your friends to that number. Our presenters are Pastor and Liz Thomas and really quickly Principal Rob two sentences what are we expecting for Mark 10 to Luke 6 okay so Mark 10 you're gonna cover similar material to what you actually covered already okay so so think of it as what you covered before from a slightly just a slightly different perspective okay and so go ahead and read and, and again in Mark especially since we're getting close to Halloween, look for all the demon possession stuff in Mark, okay? It just, it just, it just gives you something yes. fun to look for, okay? Because Mark dug that stuff, man, and it's there in Mark in spades, okay? So just because it's Halloween, just sort of focus on those, and I want you to focus on, on the demon's reaction to Jesus, because in all the others, that's not really there. Jesus just cast out the demon and the ghost. But in Mark, demons react to Jesus, okay? So, so look for <laughs> yes. that stuff. Cool. It's weird. It's fun. Okay. Look for it there. It, it, it's in there. Okay. So, so he's going to go through the same. So he's going to go through uh, divorce and, um, 
and and he's going to go through some wonderful parables and he's going to all the same parables from a slightly different perspective you've got to understand that mark realized this mark is the original okay some people think because matthew is the first one that matthew was the original okay matthew and luke borrowed from mark okay so the simplicity of mark and then they added their own stuff to it okay and it's all good stuff and it's real and legit they didn't make it up that's why it's synoptic okay and what, what makes the gospel the synoptic gospels important is that you do get three different perspectives but they cover pretty much the same stuff from their perspective of it okay so so you're going to be seeing seeing that again the warning of teachers of the law he's going to talk about the day and the hour not known you're going to see that again okay they're, they're going to re repeat themselves again um and, and there uh, you know mark's pretty relational as far as as once you get to mark 14 and mark one of the shorter gospels are uh, talking about peter's denial of him that's covered pretty well in mark it's also covered very very well in 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 the book of luke um Mm -hmm. And so you're going to see that you're going to have Christ's crucifixion, and Mark again is is fairly short because you know the others go into the 20s. Mark only has 16 verses in, in there, you know. Um, and then you're going to jump into Luke. Now Luke is the physician, okay. And so if you are interested in the details, Luke goes into the gory details, okay. And and so when you when you do Luke, he goes into um, the Jesus pre-birth, okay, and Mary being called. And he, um, he talks about, about Elizabeth being, uh, Elizabeth conceiving John the Baptist and the miracle around that. Luke exclusively talks about those kinds of things. He then uh, talks about the birth of John the Baptist, which the other guys don't cover. Um, he then talks about the birth of Jesus in um, in uh, pretty uh, pretty deep detail again, which Mark didn't cover at all. Jesus being um, being recognized as the Son of God when his parents took them in, took him into the temple. Um, that's in there. Just spoiler alert. Um, then it talks about later on when Jesus goes to the temple when he is a little bit older and he actually sees what's going on in the temple and he recognizes that it's all pointing towards his ultimate crucifixion even as a young boy and he stays behind to talk with the priests and the teachers okay that story is in there which is which is which is one of my favorite stories because it shows that, that, that Jesus was cognizant of the role he was going to play and still remain um, obedient to his parents okay he never said okay mom and dad i'm the son of god i'm not listening to you anymore he never did that okay he remained honorable to his son, son of his son uh, his father and mother then it goes to christ's uh, uh temptation in the wilderness with pastor jen uh touched on um he talks about Christ being rejected in Nazareth, okay? And I think that's an important one, too. And he goes to his hometown, and he ends up being rejected there. Okay, that, that, that's, uh, that, that's, that's a pretty good one. Um, and then, of course, we start talking about Jesus. cast. Uh, also, Luke covers Jesus casts out impure spirits, um, not in the detail that, that, that Mark does, um, and then Jesus' healings. And um, he heals a man with leprosy. And Luke is more interested in Christ's healing than he is dealing with the evil spirits. And so when you if you're in, if you're a medical person and you're interested in seeing Christ as he dealt with
the, with sick people, Luke is the one. Luke goes into just a little more detail than the other guys did because that interested Luke because of his because of his perspective as a uh, as 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 a doctor. How far do we go into Luke? Remind me. Six. Luke, yeah. So um, in Luke five, it talks about him uh, calling um, his first disciples and how Jesus hung out with sinners. That means he'd hang out with you and me, okay? And so Christ's willingness to hang out with sinners and and be um, and be uh, criticized for it, okay? Uh, that, that's uh, pretty cool stuff there. Um, Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, talks about the 12 apostles. Don't forget that even though he had 12 in his inner circle, he always traveled with a large group of people, okay? It wasn't just Christ and mm -hmm. the 12. Got this picture of Christ and 12 dudes wandering around. Christ had a huge group of, of, of men and women that followed him, and a significantly group, a significant group of women that watched over him and took care of him as well. So, uh, and that's interesting stuff for you to pick up as, as you read along. Um, and then he talks about blessings and rewards. Then he talks about loving the loving your enemies. Look at look at what Jesus says about judging, especially for human beings. Okay, we need to stay away from that. He covers that. Uh, and, and in six, a tree and its fruit, as far as a fruit bears what it's supposed to bear. If you're good, it's going to be good fruit, bad, going to be bad fruit. Um, just be aware of that. And then we're going to end with the wise and foolish brothers. And then you get to hear the commentary on it next week. So that's what we're talking about. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much, Principal Rob, for a wonderful discussion. Thank you, our viewers, for joining us tonight. We'd like to remind you to subscribe to the Plantation SDA Church's YouTube channel to be automatically notified of future episodes or any other live stream events. So once again, thank you for joining us. We're happy that you could be with us. Principal Rob, would you like to close us out in prayer? I will. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the Bible. Father, there were so many people, as we read the scripture, who were faithful without this book, who were faithful mm. as it was being compiled. And Father, now we have this book to follow, and we praise you for it. I pray, Lord, please, that you will bless our reading of your word, that we will grow closer to you, that we will commit to a stronger relationship with you. So, Father, fill each reader with your spirit as they open your word, that they will not just read, but understand, internalize it, and may it change them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.